Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or visit their website at greyhoundpp.com.au. We hope that you enjoy this episode and thanks to everyone for your support in promoting our wonderful industry. How um, did you sort of, you know, I don't know, this is probably a funny question to ask, but sort of leading up towards the big race, did you start to get, you know, did you start to pump yourself up a bit and go, oh, you know, it's the next race or, you know, it's two races away, it's getting closer now? <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, I mean, the, the, the races that sort of led up to it, like we had, it was good that the, um, like the Bold Trace was sort of the fifth race, you know, the other group won on the night and I sort of, uh, that I got through, it felt like I got through that race really, um, really smoothly it was a really good call and then the next one the next race which was the the sprint that baruga smoke uh one I, I reckon it's probably one of the one of the better calls uh i've done um yeah. I, you know i really nailed the finish i got i have to say i was a bit nervous when i went so confidently with baruga smoke winning but obviously he, he did get up and you know, at that point in time i felt really really good uh and then i had to do a little bit of uh you know pre-race uh pre-race stuff you know, announcing all the runners and as they were coming onto the track. And, you know, by the time they went behind the boxes, I was sort of, you know, ready to go. I was in the zone um, and, uh, yeah, just waiting for the lids to open. And, and when they did, it was just like uh, any other any other call. We just got, a, you know, eyes on the eyes on the field. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a, a really good race and, um, you know, a really, uh, you know, once Gablenz got out in front, it was, uh, I knew where he was and it was just trying to, track the rest of them and I was keen to sort of track um Kablenz and Aston Rupee mainly because of the yeah. two big runners in the race and you know I got Kablenz out in front and then obviously Rupee got into a uh, a fair bit of trouble so you know you make sure that the the crowd knows where he's in the run and then the rest of it takes care of itself yep were you um you know did you expect um that result if Kablenz led that he would uh he would run it out providing obviously you know Rupee didn't get too close to him if I, I think if um, if Rupee had been within sort of you know two or three lengths, maybe four lengths of him going down the back stride, I think he still wins. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, Rupee wins. I yep. think um, uh, he he's that good a dog. But Kablins is just he is just so reliable. Like he, I I um you know I just can't believe how good he is at the start. Like he just very rarely, if ever, misses it. Um, and he just he loves that inside draw, and he got it again. And when it, when the two dogs on his inside missed the start completely i mean it just turned him into a you know, he was basically starting from box one and he was straight to the rail and uh everything else sort of got into a bit of a uh, bit of a scrimmage and he was able to take advantage yep did um did at any stage you think um lala kiwi was a chance of running him down probably just on the point of the corner on the point of the corner i thought when she got within a length uh length and a half i sort of thought oh here she comes and after what had happened the week before with Kablen sort of, uh, you know, dead heating, um, he, uh, I thought, well, he, he, she could run over the top of him, but he just managed to kick in and, and held, um, held that margin. And look, he was, uh, you know, the, it's the good fortune for him. I mean, he was so lucky just to get in, uh, after, yeah. after the dead heat, um, the week before. And, uh, you know, he was able to, to get through and win the final. It's just a, it's an amazing, uh, amazing performance. And, a sort of, it's a it's a really weird sort of uh, intertwined story, Kablenz and me, because 
They actually called him in a maiden, the maiden final at uh, Warnable back in January. And that was actually the second race meeting, uh, second Greyhound race meeting that I ever called. Uh, I'd called at uh, Shep on New Year's Eve and I went to Warnable um, about a week later and, and called the final. And Shimmer Classic won it uh, and Aston Rupee ran third. And Kablenz, uh ended up running, um, running about sixth or seventh in the race. And then I know he went on a big winning streak. And I've actually, I think I'm pretty confident in saying I've called him about four times or five times since, and he's never been beaten. Um, he, I've never called him uh, losing a race since he won that, uh, since that maiden race back in January. So, uh, and to think that he's gone from a maiden to um, the Melbourne Cup, and mm-hmm. I've gone from sort of calling my first meeting uh, at the start of the year to where I was on Friday night. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty remarkable how the two sort of have uh, you know gone alongside each other and then and combined at the end. So maybe you need to give Dave Gill the heads up that um, where you're going to be calling at, so he can just nominate him for there because then he'll know think, he's got a chance. I think I think so. We actually on um, on the night uh, after the race, I'd come downstairs. Uh, my my dad was there. He'd come with uh, come with me for the night, and he'd had a. A great time, and he'd actually gone out. They brought Kablenz into the the dining room, and uh, he was walking around, and uh, you know, the good. owners were all in there, and <laughs> the, the leading, uh, sorry, the managing owner. I'm not sure, not sure his name. Uh, to be fair, he uh, had the cup, and actually asked, "Oh, can I go have a photo?" They hold the cup, and he said, "Yep, no worries," and started talking, and I actually wandered over, and he the the gent, uh, he knew who I was straight away, and he, um, you know, he you know, congratulated me on the. On the job, and he said, uh, he just said to me, he said, the the race that he will remember forever, and the call is the call of me calling uh, Kablenz beating Typhoon Sammy uh, in the in the Prelude um, three weeks ago. So he was, uh, yeah, he really wrapped for the for that performance that night and the call. And I did mention in the story of how it all unfolded with that warnable meeting, and uh, he was amazed, and uh, you know, it was a, a really yeah, good moment to sort of share with the, the connection. That was, um, yeah, that was honestly one of the, you know, not just blowing smoke up your ass, that was one of the best calls I've ever heard, that one of Koblenz with Typhoon Semi. Um, I even replayed it on Dad's TV. I said, Dad, you got to have a listen to this. I said, you know, it was a, an amazing win, but when you've got a race call, and, you know, I always associate, you know, people like Timmy Newbold, PA, etc. when you've got, especially when it's your own dog, if you've got an amazing, enthusiastic race caller, it just takes that win to a whole new level. Yeah, and I mean, I, I sort of, um, you know, I've, I've only been doing it a very short amount of time, and I think people just sort of can't actually comprehend how it can sort of happen like that. And I mean, I still can't, you know, believe that what's happened in the, the last twelve months uh, for me, from sort of going to calling, you know, trials, uh, harness trials at the start of twenty twenty at Shepparton, to calling a race meeting, uh, a TOV harness meeting at Cobram uh, in November. Another one in December, and then starting the dogs at the end of end of that month, to where I am now. And you know, I I, I got asked this at some point, you know, what uh, about uh, you know getting uh, the race calls and you know being excited and things like that. And I said, well, there's no difference between the cup for, for me. There's no yep. difference between the Melbourne Cup and a and a tier three race on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, the owners that have dogs that are running, they expect uh, their they might only be a maiden, but to them, their dog's a champion already, uh, and uh, they want to see it win, and they want to see a, a good call. And 
know, that's what I try and provide is uh, a, a you know an accurate call. And if the dog does something quite uh, quite special on the track, runs a good time, or whatever the case may be, you try and pump it up a little bit just so that there's a bit of a, a bit of atmosphere about it. And um, yeah, it's uh, obviously people enjoy it and like it, and I'm, I'm really happy with how I've progressed from sort of the start of uh, you know the start of the year where I've, I've listened back to a few races and been a bit uh, you know, amazed at how uh, how I've developed in in 12 months the first sort of meeting or two was you know pretty uh, pretty quiet and you know sort of a bit reserved and as I've got more confident with how to go about it it's sort of yeah the, the energy sort of flows and um, yeah I'm, I'm really feeling feeling really good about how I'm calling at the moment. So when did um, when did you first start race calling? Did you, I just heard you say you started? Was it harness racing you started off in? Yeah, so I've been I called. Uh, I originally started calling trials at Cobram uh, harness racing trials back uh, when I moved uh, to the area uh, back in about two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, uh, and I got onto the the committee of the harness racing club uh, in Cobram, which is the harness racing sort of had always been my my first passion, and I got involved with the club there and. And got asked to to manage the uh, the trials, which was you know, only one Sunday a month sort of thing. So, and generally we'd only have two or three trials, uh, uh, you know, a session. So it wasn't like I was calling a lot of races, but I just used to do that every month. Uh, and then got the opportunity to call the club's uh, Melbourne Cup meeting, which was a non-TAB meeting um, on Melbourne Cup day. Uh, just call that, and I called it for about ten or eleven years. Yep. Um, just every every. Uh, Every year, and then of course, COVID came along, and uh, that sort of put an end to to that sort of that meeting, and it got moved to basically. Well, this year it was actually run on the uh, as a TAB meeting on the Monday, but uh, we didn't uh, we didn't have one uh, the previous year, and uh, then I sort of uh, you know I moved to um, once I I sort of had a lot of stuff happen in my life where uh, I was in a pretty ordinary spot in about the end of two thousand and eighteen, and I had a relationship breakdown and I didn't actually know where I was going to go in, in life. I was sort of uh, really struggling to sort of work out what I was going to do and, and you know, where I was going to go. I still have a job and, and that sort of thing working in health, but uh, I was in a pretty ordinary position and, you know, I, I met a new girl and uh, hit it off and decided to make the move to, to Shepparton and um, moving down here, I immediately got offered the, the job of calling the, the harness trials here at Shepparton. Uh, every week, which was uh, a great thing, and then also doing uh, their radio uh, show down here every um, Saturday morning, just a bit of a wrap of the of the local uh, the local racing, and and from there, calling those trials every week just continued to to grow the skills, and um, you know they they're excellent trials at Shep. They're always you know, really uh, you know, they're taken pretty seriously. They usually run good time, and I was able to you know, get my skills up, and then um, I was actually offered. Um, a job calling a, a race meeting at Cobram in the April of 2020. That's sort of how quickly it had happened that they were going to offer me the, the chance to call a, a TAB meeting in, uh, in the April. Uh, and it turned out to be that date, it turned out to be the first day of um, the lockdown where um, everyone went in, pretty much the whole country went into you know, a lockdown period and yeah. we didn't know whether racing was going to go on. And of course, the meetings got cancelled. And I missed out on uh, on calling that meeting, and I had to wait till the November to, to get that first meeting under my belt. And then from there, it just sort of uh, I got a, offered another one in the November, and uh, you know, uh, sorry, in the December, 
And then they asked me about three days after that meeting, would you like to call the, the Greyhounds? And um, I went to I went to Shepparton to the the track and was there with Matt Jones, who's you know been a uh, an amazing caller sort of locally and obviously overseas calling you know races in Singapore and, and places like that. And he basically took me under his wing and and showed me the ropes and showed me his techniques and I sort of took all that on board and you know called sort of two or three races. Uh, at uh, different meetings for the next sort of couple of weeks, and then yeah, was sort of thrown in the the deep end on on New Year's Eve, and yeah, it was um, still an amazing experience. That first meeting, it I'll never forget it, and um, yeah, from that point on, it's just been um, you know really regular work, um, improving the the skills, more different meetings, different tracks, and yeah, it's uh, and it just sort of flowed on from there. How um how did you find going from harness racing to greyhounds? Um, you know, a lot of other commentators I've talked to said, oh, you know, for them personally, it, it's the hardest code to call. Did you find that as well? Just because obviously they they go a lot faster than what horses do. Yeah, I mean, it, the harness you've got your race is generally two minutes to sort of put anywhere between two and and three and a half minutes. So you've got a fair bit of uh, you know a fair bit of time to, and space to cover. And the dogs, you know, is anywhere from sort of 16 to, to 45 seconds sort of, you know, time frame, I guess. I just sort of, uh, you know, I, I, I was just confident in, in how I, my, you know, I controlled my voice and all that sort of uh, thing. I mean, I had no, I'd had no training or anything like that. And I'd basically just grown up using Lego horses at home and pushing them <laughs> around on the carpet and, you know, recording myself and, and things like that. So, I mean, when I did start doing the dogs, it was, Matt just basically gave me a few pointers on what he did yeah. uh, and basically I just sort of I followed that uh, and then yeah just went straight into to calling a race um, you know I, I think it was a Saturday morning uh, at Shepparton it was obviously not on uh, not on the radio or anything like that it was just purely on uh, on Sky early morning which is probably the perfect time to do it just to you know get it um, uh, you know probably a little bit less uh, coverage sort of thing in case I mucked it up but yep. <laughs> I got through those three did another couple of meetings and there once I got to that meeting on um, New Year's Eve I was yeah reasonably confident I could handle the dogs um, and now I mean I've, I'm in a position where I'm sort of you know getting a, a regular work calling the dogs but I keep getting the odd uh, the odd trot meeting uh, thrown to the onto the roster as well which is really good because I've, I've really do enjoy calling the the trots as well, and I think that just sort of gives me a bit more, um, you know, a bit more of a, a few strings to the bow where I can call both sort of codes and be sort of thrown in at uh, any point when I'm, when needed. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really living the dream, really. I mean, I I sort of grew up sort of thinking I would love to do it, and it sort of I didn't think it was ever really going to happen because of certain things in, in your life and sort yep. of you know the, the small market that are the, the of jobs that are available but for me to sort of be in the in the door now and sort of you know calling races regularly it's uh, it's not a job it's just uh, it's a passion and, and I love doing it do um how do you you know I've asked I've interviewed a few commentators and I ask them all the same question but do you have a particular um technique or process you use to remember um, the dog's names. I know a couple have said they associate, you know, the the colour of the dog with the name or the rug with the name. Do you learn them sort of just before the race, or do you do a little bit of prep prior to the meeting? What sort of works for you? Because I had a go at it once, and it took me about twenty five goes, and I think I learned about three dogs out of eight. So I was like, yeah, this is definitely not for me. 
I mean, I, I remember watching a, um, uh, there's a really good documentary on, on racing.com uh, where they were interviewing uh, the four callers that had called the Melbourne Cup over the last sort of 20-odd years, 25, 30 years, I guess it was. And that's Bruce McEvaney, Dan Malecki, Matt Hill and, and Greg Miles. And Greg Miles came out with a, a statement, which is something that I, I, I just took on, completely took on board and... And I really do, uh, uh, you know, believe in it. And he said, you've basically got to have a memory like a sieve. He said, you've got to have all that information in there when you need it. Yep. And then when you've got to forget it, you've got to be able to shake that sieve and get rid of it. Yep. Uh, and that's exactly sort of, you know, how I sort of, um, you know, how I, I, I approach it. I don't try to, you know, overthink the, the meetings that I'm, you know, the, and the races that I'm calling. I'll certainly look at the fields and, and see what, dogs or horses are in the races and you know if there's a, a good race on you sort of will pay a bit more attention to that but um uh, the method that sort of matt showed me and the method that i've sort of followed is essentially just uh, i've got a, a a set of um connector pens or texters and i just mark the the book uh you know with the color of the number and match it to the number which is just purely just habit now i mean i, I probably don't need to do it but i just do it as, as a person habit uh, and then it's just a matter of, you know, when the when you're looking at the race, uh, looking at the dog, uh, you know, by the time they go to the boxes, you've sort of read through the names quite a bit because you've obviously done a, you know, a bit of a market or whatever over the PA or you've said something on Sky about the field yep. or anything like that. So you've got a really uh, a bit of a fair idea of the runners that are in the race already so that when you when they jump, uh, you recognise the 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 number and the colour straight away. You do, and I do reference to the book all the time. Just you know, quick look as they're they're running past or wherever, uh, and just repeat the name. But by the time the uh, by the time they turn for home uh, and uh, are coming up the straight, I pretty much got the names of the dogs all down down pat. Particularly the first three or four because that's the the key ones, obviously for the for the betting purposes. But yeah, it's. Um, just re- retaining that information for uh, the time that you need it and then getting rid of it as the, as quick as you can for the next race because it's usually only 20 minutes away. Yeah, that's right. What um what advice would you have for any sort of prospective person out there, you know, male or female, looking to, to become a race caller? Is it, um, is it just about, you know, whether you're getting paid or not, just getting that experience? I know, um, you know, most I've talked to have gone, you know, to a particular track or something and, you know, like you said, have started off calling trials and that sort of thing just to get a bit of experience, a bit of confidence, and then, you know, you can sort of work your way up from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I called, obviously called the trials at, uh, at Cobram for my, and still do. Uh, and basically, I mean, I've been doing it there for like the last, I've been on the committee for like, oh, well, 12, 14 years, something like that. And I've probably only been paid for the trials in the last two years, so I used to do it for nothing yep. um, pretty much. So, And it was just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd just uh, do it for the love and, and for the experience. Shepard and obviously do give me a, a payment now, which is uh, which is handy just to, uh, you know, keep me ticking along. But, um, you know, the advice would be to – there's plenty, I'm sure there's plenty of clubs around that will be happy, it's particularly the smaller ones where they might only do – uh, from a from a harness perspective, they might only do trials every month, but there might be some that are do it a little bit more regularly, where you know they can have opportunities for, for people to go and call. And from the greyhound perspective, it's uh, it's you know if you're just going along with the trials, uh, you know the 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 trials after the races. I mean, even if there's no um, uh, no uh, fields or anything like that, just making it up yep. and calling from a box, calling live, and just you know picturing the the dogs 
uh, and, and calling them in the box just to get a feel of how it actually works. I mean, yes. any method that you can use to, to get a feel for, for how they race uh, will give you the will put you in the right position. And then again, and then of course, there's always making sure that someone hears you. Uh, and it doesn't take much for someone to hear, uh, you know, someone calling trials and they say, oh, he, they actually go all right. So, yep. uh, and then word spreads. And I mean, that's pretty much for me how it all sort of happened. I mean, I started calling the trials with no expectation of ever uh, progressing to where I've got. But because someone listened to it and thought he goes all right, yep. uh, you know, the word spread and then you start getting your phone rings and they start asking you, uh, are you interested? And that's pretty much how it happened for me. So, it's just all about, um, you know, getting out there and having a go. And if someone likes it, then you never know what will happen. Is there a particular, now that you've done sort of the Melbourne Cup, which, you know, a lot of people regard as our, our best greyhound race in Australia, is there another greyhound race in particular you've got your eye on that you'd love to commentate one day? Um, look, not not specifically. I mean, I, I the Cup's obviously the biggest, the biggest one, and I meant to have achieved it so early on uh is really really a thrill and uh you know obviously very very surprising i'm you know i was really thrilled to get to call the first uh pink diamond meeting yeah uh, back in in june at bendigo i mean that was a really great series of racing across all different uh classes and distances and uh it was a, a ripping series it was disappointing obviously that there was no uh no crowds on track yeah. and and things like that but um, it was. It's a really. It's going to. De- I think it's going to develop into a really um, sought after series uh, for for particularly for uh, Victorian bred greyhounds, and I'd love to be able to keep calling that one. Uh, and I was just. And I was also delighted to call the the Bendigo Cup series. Um, you know, at the, in October. I mean, I was just. I'd done a fair bit of work there over the the course of the last twelve months, calling a lot of races. Uh, race meetings there. It was pretty much where I'd been positioned to sort of call mainly, and those sort of three meetings are the that's the the Benigo Cup, the Pink Diamond, and the Melbourne Cup. I mean, if I was to get them every year, I don't think I could complain too much. You've been listening to the Greyhound Girl podcasts with Dimity Ma, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or their website, greyhoundpp.com.au.